0: All right, welcome back to the Orthodox Squad podcast. It's not much of a squad today. Uh, Some people are late, uh, (laughs) (laughs) running late, or, you know, can't be here today. But me and Milos are here right now. Some people might join in the middle, like Sky or Stachinha. We have a special guest today, Ephraim, or uh, Orthodox Pilgrim. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Could you... Thanks for having uh, me, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Could you introduce yourself, how you came to orthodoxy, and why orthodoxy is the true faith for you and for all
1: of us, of course? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, well, um, and I'm trying, I'll try to make it as succinct as possible. Um, I came from a Protestant background originally. I spent uh, 37 years in the Lutheran Church here in America. I was part of the Wisconsin Synod um i didn't feel spiritually fed and satisfied within that uh church even though it was a good church to grow up in at least initially as a child um about 15 years ago i spent two years researching catholicism and decided against it uh for reasons of both theology and church history um, and uh, then actually stumbled on orthodoxy when i wasn't even looking for it um, about six or seven years ago and converted with my wife and children about three years ago
0: sounds very good i like that so our our topic today is fasting orthodox fasting a lot of inquirers have no idea about fasting because they've never done it before or their church just doesn't do it um
1: did you did your protestant church do it or not at all um no not really um it wasn't that it was completely foreign or alien a concept to us um but It it really wasn't anything that we ever got involved in, um, you know, as a a church group or whatever. I think, if anything, perhaps people individually as Lutherans might have been fasting on their own, either with or without the guidance of their pastor. Um, But it was definitely nothing that was ever emphasized to me uh, during the catechism. Uh, And most Lutheran children go through catechism between the age of, say, 12 and 13 to about 15 or 16 years old. Uh, after which you were considered confirmed and in the church officially and you were then able to partake of the Eucharist um, Which is the only other sacrament in the Orthodox Church. I'm sorry The only other sacrament in the Lutheran Church besides baptism itself
0: Indeed. Okay, interesting. So The first time you really fasted was in the Orthodox Church when you became a part of the Orthodox Church Or did you begin already when you were like for example inquiring or a catechumen?
1: Yeah, well, funny, funny story about that. So what happened was for me and my wife is when we were first inquiring into the church um, after I'd already been looking into the church for two years, just in terms of, you know, education, reading, um, you know, watching a lot of videos and lectures to trying to get acquainted with what is orthodoxy and what it's all about. Uh, during that two year period of time, I never set foot inside an orthodox church, but thereafter I did. And when uh, my wife and I started attending, uh, there was a very sweet young girl at the first church we ever went to and she said that she would uh, very much like for us to take a copy of their calendar uh, because the calendar would actually be something we could kind of post on the wall in our kitchen, um, and it would tell us, you know, the readings of the day, the saints of the day, and it would also tell us whether or not there was a fasting day or not. Well, to an extent, that was my first real uh, interaction or introduction to fasting, and so I took the calendar home and pinned it up in the kitchen as she had suggested and started kind of looking at it, and I said, oh, uh, honey, it's my wife, Uh, it looks like we're supposed to be fasting this week on Wednesday and Friday. Uh, Let me figure that out. So what does anyone do? They go online, they Google it, you know, and I I looked up uh, Orthodox fasting. And uh, uh, sure enough, uh, it said, oh, well, you know, on Wednesdays and Fridays, you should abstain from these six different foodstuffs, you know, meat, eggs, dairy, fish, wine, and olive oil. Now, I didn't know why. I just knew I was supposed to be doing it, or at least I thought I was supposed to be doing it. So we did start fasting almost right away after having – discovered it and uh, that was in the fall of that year so we were about a month or two out from the nativity fast which as you know is a 40-day fast before the birth of christ is commemorated and celebrated and so we had already been fasting so we, we went ahead and did we participated in the nativity fast no one told us otherwise or that we should or shouldn't as inquirers and about three months after that as we're getting closer well maybe not three months but you know two two months or so before lent our priest comes to us and he says hey so i want to talk to you about fasting I said, Oh, no problem, father. We've already been doing that. You know, yeah, we got it down. Everything's great. (laughs) And he said, wait. And he said, wait, what? And I said, Well, yeah, someone gave us this 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 calendar that you guys use. And so we've just been following along, you know, as best we can and you know, and all that. And he said, Oh, well, gosh, okay. Well, you probably shouldn't have been doing that. You you know, you might want to wait till you're, you know, catechized and then you understand why you're fasting, which by the way, he was right. Um, We were fasting kind of just to fast. We didn't necessarily know all the spiritual reasons at that time why we were doing it. And that, of course, is kind of uh, why we always recommend to inquirers and catechumens alike, don't rush into fasting. Don't be like me. It was a total accident on my part. I didn't mean to do it, Um, but I recognize now that there's a reason why we work with our priests, you know, on fasting.
0: Exactly. You really need the guidance of your spiritual father or your your parish priest when you start fasting, you know. Um, Some recommend you to just you know abstain from meat uh the first time or you know just dairy for the first time it's really different and it really depends on how uh how heavy it's gonna be on you of course
1: right Um, yeah very true
0: yes welcome you're finally here thank you (laughs) Um, i rushed
2: here i had a last minute phone call for some uh, event i'm organizing with some radio people and uh yeah i mean it was crazy but uh, I'm, I'm glad to be
0: here all right so i'm gonna ask you a question right away <laughs> to get you in the mood you know that video when someone asks you why do we fast i'm gonna ask i'm gonna ask you that why do we fast
2: well we fast for multiple reasons first is because the fast is a period in which we are going to be closer to christ and closer to the church We take something that's very dear to us, for example, food, which is really important in our culture and just important to our body. You know, like meat and all these things that we take away are the tastiest foods, the nicest foods, the foods that bring the most nutrients to our body. We take them away to be able to focus more on the spiritual. We take away the complex dishes. We take away the complex cooking, things that takes time. And we replace that time by prayer and time to think about Christ.
0: Exactly. Do you have anything to add, uh, Ephraim?
1: Uh, Please don't take away my bacon, I beg you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no, seriously, um, yeah, everything he just said is very accurate. Um, We fast for spiritual reasons. We fast because, uh, as he said, it helps us draw closer to God, uh, spend more time in prayer and contemplation, uh, hopefully reading the Holy Scriptures more, reading the lives of the saints more. um, And and he's right. When you don't have to think about what it is you're going to eat that day, by kind of reducing your meals to something much more simple, right? Uh, like beans and rice. I mean, how hard is it to make beans and rice? The answer is not very hard, you know? I mean, so it's not to say that that's all we're eating during fasting periods. That's just one small example of a way in which we can uh take away the burden of having to make some sort of complex, you know, casserole or stew or chili or whatever it might be, um and just keep things very simple, um and uh, that way we can spend more time focused on the spiritual life.
0: Exactly. You know, it's it's not only abstaining from food, it's abstaining from the passions bad thoughts lies all those kind of things you know and that's really what it's about it's about discipline you know um getting into a discipline where you abstain from your passions you know it's it needs to help you it's not really about the food you know (laughs) right it's about abstaining and getting discipline getting your mindset right for christ for christ
1: and if i may um add to that um the one thing about food that uh, even science, you know, has has discovered, medicine has discovered, is that food itself uh, absolutely can, depending on the type of food, be something that leads to a greater indulgence or desire for excess, and that can be, you know, excess in terms of, you know, the food itself, so gluttony or you know, drinking lots of alcohol or these sorts of things, but also the passion of lust, you know, or the desire for sex. Uh, science has even shown that there is a direct correlation to eating large sumptuous fatty rich meals of animal fats and dairy and eggs and all these sorts of heavy you know chocolate you know wine mm-hmm. all these sorts of things can actually lead us to then feeling passionate in other areas of our life now science is not going to view them as passions and science isn't going to view it as being inherently sinful like we will of course uh, as part of the church but it is interesting to know that there is even this kind of secular concept that this is true and looky here the church has been saying it's true for you know the past several thousand years you
0: know yeah i've i've been seeing ads on like facebook or instagram where it's like you should start begin to fast now all these benefits blah 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 and i'm i'm just thinking yeah. to myself are you just discovering this <laughs> are people are really yeah. going to yeah. do this like we've been doing this for thousands of years <laughs> That's exactly not, right not really something new um yeah but it, it's it's something great right now we are all abstaining from meat this week it's the pre Lent. Um, and that comes to my next question, Miloš, when do we fast? Cause a lot of people are confused. Like, when do I have to fast? When, when is that? When is this?
3: So normally we fast on every Wednesday and Friday. The reason for that is Wednesday for uh, the day of uh, Christ's betrayal and Friday for his crucifixions. So in remembrance of those days, we fast. And like you said, we abstain from certain foods to get closer to God, to be focus more on our prayer life. And it's very important during the fasting time to focus more on prayer, don't gossip and try our best to be better humans.
0: Yeah, it's not really about not doing that when we don't fast, you know, you still have to try well, and not sin, of course, but this is going to help you greatly when you fast indeed so it's wednesday and friday mainly it can differ when there's like a a feast day on wednesday or friday of course uh what a feast day is when a saint is being commemorated um but there's larger periods as well you know every wednesday and friday okay throughout the year but for example (coughs) great great lent is coming right now and what what is lent exactly could someone explain that to me and to the viewers?
3: Yes. So the great land that's coming up now is the fasting period before Eastern or Pascha, how you would say. And in that time already, everybody explained that what we are doing and uh, we will fast the in the great land till Eastern till the, till Christ has risen. That's how we celebrate it. And it's 40 days. And 40 yeah.
0: days is not just randomly. <laughs> it's because <laughs> Christ Christ himself fasted 40 days in the desert, if you didn't know that. He fasted 40 right. days. Uh, he, The temptation of the devil. He tried to tem- tempt Christ, which he was never tempted, like one movie suggests. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> He was never tempted 40 days fasting before, um, you know, in the desert. So, that's why we do it. And Christ himself also in the Bible says, you know, when the bridegroom is gone, my apostles have to fast. So, that's why we fast as well. And even says it to do it on Wednesday and Friday. Exactly. So, why do we fast and when do we fast? We have accomplished now um that it's not only the lent it's also like you said before for christmas and we have the apostles fast as well there's many periods in in the calendar year when we do fast uh, mainly just to you know um get that skill or i mean not skill ability to resist our passions better now let's talk a little bit about the food we should abstain from meat oil alcohol dairy products that includes eggs a lot of people ask then, you know what if i just use you know a substitute like a vegan
1: burger for example
0: is that fasting as well is that legit maybe you could talk a little bit about that uh, ephraim
1: yeah, sorry, I'm having to mute a little bit because my corgi is being loud behind me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love corgis. But uh, yeah, <laughs> she's, she's okay when she's behaving herself. Um, well, yeah, so in terms of using substitute things, um, I know many Orthodox who do, um, myself included, um, but we have to kind of um, understand why are we doing that. Uh, let me give a good example. If we are eating a, uh, like you said, vegan burger, just as an example, and I'll, I'll maybe use another example after that too. But if we are eating a vegan burger during Lent, are we eating it because it is ultimately made from things we're allowed to eat during Lent and therefore it provides nutrition and sustenance to us through Lent? Or are we eating it because we're sort of kind of cheating a little bit, you know, and where it's like, oh, gosh, I really miss having burgers. So I'm going to go get this vegan burger so I can pretend I'm having a burger. For me, it's the former and not the latter. Um, I use, um, uh, you know, uh, uh some of these you know uh, pea protein based uh, meat substitute things just so that i have different options that i can make because i'm the cook at home at least as far as evening meals is generally concerned um and so and i've got children so mm-hmm. i try to make dishes that they like like spaghetti you know and d- different types of noodle dishes and stuff and so i'll add some uh pea-based protein you know meat into it which by the way i'm not a huge fan of that stuff in general but as orthodox I figured, well you know, if it's something that we can use to supplement protein in our diets, besides things like shrimp and shellfish, which are allowed, um, then at least it gives me some different options so that my children aren't ripping their hair up. Because to be honest with you, if I was just cooking for me and my wife, we'd probably eat the same one or two or three dishes over and over again during Lent if we didn't have children in the house because we don't care and we're pretty simple when it comes to that sort of thing. But our kids, you know, they get they get tired of it. They get a little bit bored. Um, so, it re- so back to your original point, it's like, well, why are you eating the vegan burger? Why are you eating different substitute things? Um, another thing that people will use, too, I found during the Lenten fast is they'll use, uh, like, uh, butter substitutes, um, which are basically entirely based on vegetables or vegetable mm-hmm. oil. Now, that's a whole conversation in and of itself as to whether or not vegetable oils are something we really should be eating anyway, just from a health standpoint. Um, I'm of the personal mindset that it's really not a great idea, um, you know. but I think if things are used sparingly, um, then it's not necessarily the end of the world either. You know, everything in moderation, as they say, you know, that sort of thing. So the real question is, why are you eating these particular you know, vegan types of products? Are you doing it to cheat the fast, or are you doing it because you're still trying to uphold the spirit of the fast And not become some sort of you know pharisaical label reader which by the way a couple of priests have told me they said don't read labels if you're reading a label during any fast you're essentially defeating the spirit of the fast because you're being paranoid you know like let me give a great example if you're going to buy some crackers well it's probably the fact that a lot of crackers either have milk or butter or something in them so here's an idea don't worry about those types of crackers but if you see a box of cheese-flavored crackers, and we're supposed to be avoiding cheese during Lent, well then just avoid it because you know it's a cheese cracker, so logically it's gonna have cheese in it. But if you're getting a basic saltine cracker, which may or may not have dairy in it or not, it could just be you know, literally water, flour, and some salt and something else. It just makes a very basic cracker like we have here. Uh, then you know, again, don't read the labels because you're just going to sit there and become paranoid you know and and that we want to uphold the, the the spirit of the fast which also is the joy fasting is our joy it's not a dr- it shouldn't be a drudgery at all you know um it's it you know anyway so i i could go in a two different directions with No that, you can I'll of kick course take it, it back to you yeah
0: um the label <laughs> thing i think it that's very funny i have a personal experience with that yeah. cuz when i didn't know anything about that i was reading labels left and right (laughs) you know i was like does this have (laughs) any egg traces or meat traces you know (laughs) was this made
1: in a factory where milk is processed (laughs) yeah 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 i was like man
0: this is hard you know i was and then i I looked up some information on the internet and it said don't read the labels it's not about that and it really isn't so i call it the vegan syndrome you know how vegans read every single label if (laughs) it has any um you know products in it from animals or yeah. anything like that right. so i call it the vegan syndrome and i was suffering from the syndrome in the beginning so yeah i've stopped doing that i was like you know does this donut have any <laughs> milk in it or anything right. so I was like is it right. vegan yeah. i was yeah. even looking it up on the internet
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, one thing I'll mention, at least as far as my own fasting kind of goes, and I know generally speaking, we're not supposed to really you know, discuss our fasting rules, uh, you know, just like we don't discuss our own personal prayer rules because we don't want to scandalize, you know, our brethren and stuff, you know, because maybe they're fasting more or less than we are. And we don't want them to, you know, mm-hmm. be concerned about these things. But I'll just say very generically that I, during Lent especially, I, I eat a lot of sugar. I get by on candy bars and peanut butter and just different things like that because it's not for me, it's like, oh, I'm getting away with anything. It's like, no, it's a means to an end. If I can eat a quick Snickers bar as a snack when I'm at work, it costs me a buck 25 and at least my body will process that sugar and turn it into energy because the human body, in terms of seeking energy sources, is primarily looking for fats or looking for sugars. Well, since we're restricting a lot of the fats that we would normally consume from, airy, uh, sorry, from dairy, eggs, and uh, milk and cheese, and obviously animal fats and stuff. Well, then the other source of energy we can get some stuff from is sugar. Um, so I'm notorious for making a batch of oatmeal cookies during Lent all the time and eating oatmeal cookies daily because oatmeal is kind of nice anyway because it fills you up. Um, and I'm, I, I'd rather have a cookie that I can just grab and take on the go, you know, than actually making an actual bol- bowl of oatmeal or porridge, you know, for breakfast. I just grab a couple of cookies and then head off to work, you know. Exactly. So for me, it's like I'm not even looking at it like it's a treat it's just something to put in my system to keep me going, you know, through the day. Um, yeah, anyway, so I, I so, so, cause if a lot of people ask that, like they're, they're influenced heavily by Western Christianity, especially if they're a convert to Orthodoxy and, you know, Lent in the West really isn't strict at all. When it comes to fasting, you'll hear people, of course, every year it comes up in conversations, both in person and online where, you know, heterodox Christians say, Oh, I'm giving something up for Lent. Well, that's great. And, you know, I'm sure they're doing it hopefully for the right reasons, but it does come across as not particularly strict. And so they're saying things like, oh, well, I'm giving up chocolate or I'm giving up sugar. I'm giving up soda. Well, yeah, those things might be good to give up. And maybe even we as Orthodox Christians should give those things up during Lent too. If it is a, a, if it is a treat for us, if it is something that we're always constantly craving, because maybe there's a little bit of an addiction to those substances. For me, I'd like to think at least that I'm not addicted to sugar. I just tend to use it as a means to an end
0: exactly it's not about giving up it's really not <laughs> it's not sacrificial right. you know <laughs> the it's, yeah the, the purpose of fasting is to learn discipline in the end to gain yeah. control of those things that are indeed you know within our control but we so often allowed to control us you know it's it's <laughs> right it's a lot of people think about giving up i give up this blah 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 and, and the catholic church even said i think they don't even have to fast that strict anymore
1: if I'm not mistaken, I think it's still just a fish on Friday thing, right? But maybe someone else knows.
2: Yeah, they they don't give up meat fully, so they skip a meal on last Wednesday. They were skipping a meal, and they are skipping a meal on Friday before Easter, and uh, that's skipping one meal a day. And then for they are recommended to give up one thing, so uh, people will usually like try to stop smoking, uh, or you know stop something like that. Stop something that's like a vice in life. Basically, but I wanted to interject. I wanted to say that uh, this label thing actually. Well, I was not fasting as a, as a kid because in my household we were not really fasting, and I was just eating the food that I was served. So when I started fasting, I was reading all the labels, and now I know <laughs> which items have no dairy in them. So basically, yeah. at this point, I'm just buying the. If I buy bread, I'll buy bread with no uh, milk traces, and you know bread. all that stuff. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, if somebody had told me that earlier, that would have saved yeah. me a lot of time. Because when I yeah, called, a lot like, of headache. My father, he just asked me, have you fasted? And I was like, yes, father, yeah, I fasted. And then he didn't get into detail with me. And so I was just, uh, yeah, I was just doing the label thing as well. It's really funny because right now I have, like, my preferred brands of things that, uh, yeah, have no traces and stuff. I became, like, a label ninja. At, uh, at that time.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I you know i also think it's important to mention that before taking the eucharist it's important to have fasted uh during the week like i wouldn't take the the eucharist personally if i didn't fast on wednesday and friday i don't know about you guys but i think it's it's an advice it's not officially like you have to fast but it's you know advisable
1: right milo well and fast- yeah, and fasting is an for us as Orthodox Christians. So you just get used to that pattern of fasting on a normal week on Wednesday and on Friday. Um, and, and also uh, we fast uh, generally either from midnight on Sunday morning uh, through until we receive the Eucharist, yes. which is quite literally the first uh, food, so to speak, and sustenance we receive spiritually from Christ himself as it is his body and blood. So that's the very first thing that we're allowing ourselves to be nourished by at the start of the new week. Which hopefully will even set the tone spiritually speaking for that week ahead. Um, also, I do know in some of what I call the old world countries, uh, obviously since I live over here, you know, the new world, um, that like you know, my Russian godparents, for example, I believe that they actually. Um, adhere to fasting before receiving the eucharist beginning at sundown on saturday evening um, oh, wow. and that is also a, a traditional to, a tradition too so that, you know they're going even longer you know uh, mm-hmm. in terms of a fast almost uh, that's pushing at least uh, you know 10 or 12 hours at that point you know i <clears throat> must more. say
0: i must say i get very hungry <laughs> before yeah. the eucharist I, during yeah. liturgy like my, my stomach is just <laughs> doing a whole concert yeah. by itself when i'm standing there yeah. <laughs> but as soon as i take the eucharist that hunger goes away every single time. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's wondrous. Yeah. And it, it comes back after an hour. But for a while, right. you know, yeah. it's gone. And it's
3: just amazing. And, yeah. and,
1: it's and just the body a- adjusts too. You know, mm-hmm. that like the body does get used to fasting. At first, it can be kind of difficult. And that's one reason why, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, many priests will tell their inquirers or catechumens, I want you to fast, but I only want you to fast from this one food stuff. Like just fast from dairy or just fast from eggs or or meat, just do that and just get used to the Wednesday and Friday fast. And then they'll even tell them, when we start doing our longer fasts, like nativity, which is 40 days before, you know, Christmas, or like we talked about before, the Lenten fast, which also doesn't include the seven days of Holy Week, right? So you fast for 40 days of Lent and seven days of Holy Week, and then break the fast on Pascha or Easter. Um, The issue is that, um, yeah, if people are... um, uh, you know, being told by their priests to just fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, even during those longer fasts, that's a good thing. Just be obedient to your priest because eventually you will fully participate in the fast. You will do the 40-day fast and learn what that's like. And, and you have to ease yourself into it, which is exactly what we do before Lent, like you said, when we started the stream. Uh, you know, this week is a week where we can't have meat. And come, this coming Sunday is the last time we can have uh, eggs and cheese and fish. And Because Lent begins for us on Monday. So mm-hmm. it's gradually easing us into the Lenten fast, because uh, if you were to compare the Lenten fast to the Nativity fast, the Lenten fast is much, much more strict. In fact, I'm, unless I'm wrong, I think there's only one real feast during the Lent, which is Feast of the Annunciation, where we are allowed to actually have fish, wine and olive oil. And it's just a dispensation for that day, essentially, because it's to celebrate the Feast of the Annunciation. Other than that, there's no other real fish days that i'm
0: aware of at least during lent you know no
1: yeah
3: exactly Yep. <clears throat> i want to get another thing i would like oh, to add go ahead yeah um there are even so many we, we already mentioned the russian tradition that they don't uh uh intake something in the body at yes at a sound a sounder the day before they take holy communion and there are so many different kinds of traditions in the jurisdictions for example some jurisdictions say no olive oil some other jurisdiction might say no oil at all during the fest. Right. So it's always like Ephraim already said, talk with your priest first, don't do it on your own. <laughs> it's way easier like that. You have to have a guidance. Yeah. And-, and I have a funny story when from last yeah, last year, during the Nativity Fest. Um, I was back then working in a hotel and I did the night shift at reception and we had normally always a tradition before you take the eucharist you go to bed and then when you wake up you don't drink anything you don't eat anything you don't smoke a cigarette the first thing in your body will be the holy communion then I asked my priest how should I do it I never go to sleep I'm working the whole night and then I'm going home and get my church clothes and then I go to church how should I do it was like thinking, yeah, it's tough working in the night without drinking something. Hmm. <laughs> Do it till six in the morning. <laughs> then from six in the morning, you're not allowed anymore. So I got that exemption back then.
0: Exactly. You know, right. uh, you, you might even have medical problems. You should always consult mm-hmm. your priest when you want to mm-hmm. fast or how you have to fast. You know, there's plenty of diseases or other medical reasons which can exempt you from fasting or make it less hard on you yeah. it's really even not about you're... the
3: food huh sorry for interrupting no, even if somebody's um i know a lot of elder persons who can't fast because they have to have a certain amount of iron in the body like they have to eat way more iron so that it's sustainable for their bodies for example my grandparents they have to eat a lot of meat for their body, but it always depends for some let's say maybe somebody else he has to drink milk milk and milk for some time, maybe he has problems with his bones or something else, so he needs those nutritions, so it always depends on exactly right. yeah
2: I have an anecdote like I remember when when I was a kid at church i I remember uh, sadly a woman being very getting very sick uh on Friday before Easter. And uh I talked about it with my you know orthodox relatives and stuff, and that was definitely not something that was like recommended not, nor by the priest, nor by anybody. Nobody wants you to make yourself sick. nobody wants you to you know like get get into something that you cannot do like uh, I mean, your priest will definitely never recommend you do something that is not possible for you to do if you if you tell yeah. them the whole thing. Mm,
3: exactly. Yeah, for example, my priest said once to me we are not all the same and we just have to do uh, our best to our own possibilities.
1: Right. I, I would also make the note that there are some exemptions to fasting for other people too, uh, women who are pregnant. And women who are nursing their babies um, they do not need to participate in the fast or they could potentially participate but just have it heavily modified and like you guys said by working with their priests also very small children don't necessarily fast now it is true in some of our orthodox uh, uh societies around the world uh, perhaps in Romania or Serbia or Greece or elsewhere, perhaps little children of the age of five, six, seven years old begin fasting. That would be considered earlier than here in the States. And it's not to say that it's right or wrong either. It's whatever you know people are kind of used to and this sort of thing is, is perfectly fine. Um, and as you guys also mentioned, if you're sick, uh, a lot of times your priest will let you break the fast as well because we need to try to keep up our, uh, our, our energy and our immune system so that we can fight off whatever disease it is that we're uh, dealing with. Whereas if we were to fast during the midst of that, it could potentially cause us more harm with our health um, or even make it lo- take longer for us to recover. So we're obviously not foolish either uh, with respect to fasting, um, but it's always best to work with our priests, uh, but also to work uh, with our doctors as well. If our doctors, like you said, you know, put us under advisement and said, well, you know, you're lacking iron because you're an elderly person. So you need to make sure you're eating you know, some beef or some other food sources that have um, the type of iron that you need uh, you know, to sustain yourself and, and make sure that you can stay in as good health as possible. Milos.
0: Or, yes. or Do you have any maybe personal stories when it comes to fasting? Because we all live in a Western country. You live in Austria, France, the US. I live in Holland. Do you have any personal questions? Like, for example, when you ask or someone asked you, you know, why are you not eating this today? Or why are you not eating meat? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, and you're like fasting. I'm fasting. are like, what? You're <clears throat> Muslim? <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. I have a
3: couple of funny stories like that. I remember... On my first job, when I was 16, I went to work with my food and it was just some baked potatoes in the oven. <laughs> and you know, they looked horrible, I made them myself. Uh-huh. And baked potatoes with nothing on except salt and pepper. There was, And everybody was looking at me, <laughs> eating bread and potatoes, like, what are you eating? Then I had to explain <laughs> what fasting is and they asked me, are you Muslim? said, no, I'm a orthodox Christian. I had to explain him him that. And they looked at me like I was part of a crazy cult. <laughs> That's how I felt. Yeah. I felt, yeah. I got that bad look from them. Like, man, those guys are weird. <laughs> the,
0: the funny thing is, you know, when Muslims ask me, they're like, oh, wait, you fast too? And I was like, yeah, but it's differently. And they're like, oh. That's pretty cool, actually. You know, I respect you for that. And when, for example, Dutch people ask me, like, but why? <laughs> you know, wait, you don't eat all day and you eat at night because they think fasting, Muslims only fast. Um, right. Because unfortunately, there's not a lot of Christians here. I'm like, no, I can eat this, this, this during the day. So wait, that's a lot easier. I'm like, wait, you try eat no dairy <laughs> or meat for 40 days and you'll see <laughs> how hard yeah, that is. Yeah, definitely. What a
2: fast, you know, it changes the flavor of the season. Like there is a rhythm to the year with the fasts. And if you do like the Serbian calendar, it's actually a good part of the year that you are fasting. And if you are doing the water fast on water fast days, you can really feel it. Like you feel the difference in your food. Your food tastes different. You will of course prepare it a lot faster. There is a very noticeable difference. Like. For people who hadn't done it, that's like a big thing. For me, when I used to work in McDonald's, I would, uh, I, I, on oil days, I would just have fries and on like water days, I could not eat nothing from there, unfortunately. So yeah, people just assume that I am uh, I'm a Muslim. Now in my current workplace, people assume that I'm Orthodox Jew. I already <laughs> had that all the time. Because I said, oh, you know, I'm Orthodox. And they're like, oh, so you wear the little hat. <laughs> i, I don't know what to yeah. answer to that so i just left it uh, you know hanging but yeah something useful i think i can tell is uh, i'm a student i'm a music student and uh, i've been studying for a long time i'm going for a master's degree and as a student you know i work just jobs little jobs and i worked as a docker just unloading merchandise from a Really big truck from these big containers, you know, these 33-ton uh, uh, containers that would uh, pop up uh, on the on the dock in my town, and uh, our job was just to take the merchandise from the container and put them on wooden pallets. Like it's a, just a very manual job, very hard job. And uh, if you're if you're fast during those periods, like for some people it can be a big challenge. First of all, like I recommend talking to a priest, like getting a, a recommendation, like what to actually do. And second of all, if, if you're strong and you're feeling good, a uh, big uh, big tip, you know, to keep you strong during those periods is to eat carbohydrates. Like sometimes you might feel like the, the, just potatoes and bread, you know, it's not going to be able to sustain me. You know, we all heard about protein because of like fitness culture and stuff. Lentils. And I'm, I'm also, yeah, lentils are great. Beans are great. Peanuts are very tasty, very good food to eat, and they also have a lot of protein, and they are satiating, they have calories as well. But, uh, you know, don't don't be afraid, just, or, of course, always eat a breakfast. A breakfast is the most important meal of the day uh, to just give you strength, and, uh, you know, sometimes you, you need to just uh, try those things and see what is really possible for you. But for me, I could function or well, even on, on water fast. It was just important that I i actually become more structured with my eating i become more disciplined you know never skip a breakfast never skip a lunch you know and uh, and just stay keep it simple you know just uh, loads of carbs loads of things
0: yeah
2: a loads of simple things basic foods just whatever our ancestors ate that's that's what's going to keep you strong like most of the time also another thing like i wanted to bring up in the podcast since i know that we are running out of time is Sometimes uh, you, I, I work in the music industry a lot now since that's what I'm studying. And you, know, you will not meet a lot of Orthodox people in the music industry in the West, basically by the nature of it. And often from older people who are like you know, 50 and above, usually they will have a very negative image of the church. And if they figure out your fasting, they will try and like uh, attack you for it. They, they will view this as something negative. Like you're in some kind of dogmatic culture, in some kind of like a sect that needs to be debated and stuff. So uh, sometimes, uh, like of course, with the permission of your priest, talk to talk to him what to do in those situations. Like should you, because you will be offered food sometimes in your job, and sometimes in other places you will be offered food and uh, listen and sometimes
0: let me interrupt you real happened. quick there yeah. for like a little second. When you get offered food, for example, if you go somewhere you get invited and people offer you food it's it's impolite to reject it so even if you're fasting you're allowed to eat for example if you go to your the family of your wife for example they usually know you're orthodox but i'm just giving a random example it's impolite to re- like refuse them so it's worse to not accept their food than to say uh no thank you i'm, I'm fasting you could do it but I, like, my priest told me it's uh, better to accept the food.
2: Yes, yeah, I, there is an anecdote yeah. about... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You you're were, fine, no, you
3: go.
1: Yeah. Go ahead and finish. And right.
2: there, is, there is an anecdote about Patriarch Pavle, a uh, Serbian patriarch who who uh, was who was the patriarch when I was a child. He was uh, visiting families of, of uh, Serbian Christians all around Serbia, especially in the on the border zone in, in more, like, uh, you know, t- tougher situations. And uh, a man who knew the patriarch was visiting in the middle of a great land prepared, uh, uh, you know, steak for him. And the patriarch, he ate the steak, even though, of course, he was aware of the fast and, of course, he was fasting. But he didn't want to, uh, you know, bring shame to that man, bring shame to that household by refusing what the man cooked for him. And that shows how humble he was. For me, what determines will I accept the food that I'm offered? or the food or not accepted just rejected will be based on the intention of the person that's giving me the food so like if a granny comes up and she like made cookies and they happen to contain milk i will take a minimum amount just to you know like uh, say oh i'm not so hungry and take one and she'll be really happy that you tasted her food and you know you will you will definitely be doing a good thing i think and that's what i was advised to do but if a person knows that you're fasting and they purposefully decides to prepare something that has meat or dairy in it or tell you that something is vegan although they know it's not vegan in that case i will not uh, like bend myself to, to those kinds of people that's like definitely improper so i will definitely reject those people who, who have banned intentions so you need to i feel like i'm saying this to the viewers but like you need to, like, figure out what's the situation, what is the context. Is this a man who was so proud that you're visiting him? Or a family member, like her wife's family or something, who prepared something for you with love? And, like, rejecting that food would disappoint them? Or is it just somebody who is, like, trying to, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, impose something on you? Or is it just somebody who is, like, off? sometimes at work, you'll have those buffets, and if you don't take anything, nobody cares, you know, then you don't need to take, like, don't find excuses for yourself, of course. Everything is situation-dependent, yes. of course. You know, that there's big differences in the, in different situations.
0: Yes. I want to quickly go to Ephraim because he has something to say as well, I think.
1: Yeah, a couple of things. One, yeah, we should never refuse hospitality when it's being offered to us, um, especially when people don't know that we're orthodox. Um, you know, so if somebody's offering you something during a fasting period that does contain meat, cheese, eggs, or dairy, or whatever... Um, then there's nothing wrong with uh, being gracious and still thanking and uh, thanking God that He's providing you with this food, asking Him to bless the food. And you can say a, you know a, a kind of a quiet Orthodox prayer in your own heart, your own mind about it. Um, but also too, I have found that fasting uh, around non-Orthodox people, whether they're heterodox Christians or otherwise, um, if they ask questions about it, it's a good opportunity to share the true gospel of Christ with them in whatever way you're able to and, and and not in some sort of you know uh, judgmental way or in some sort of talking down to them way either or and certainly not put pl- placing yourself on any sort of pedestal like oh look at me i'm better than you because i'm i'm fasting for these spiritual reasons and you're not that of course would be utterly ridiculous and completely unorthodox um, but rather we should use those opportunities to gently share the gospel with people who are willing to listen just as christ himself said let he who has ears let him hear you know um and so and we also too uh, need to heed Christ's own words when it comes to fasting too, right? He said, uh, do not be like the hypocrites and twist up your face in the streets, letting other people know that you're fasting. Rather, fast in secret. That way your Father who is in heaven will reward you. Uh, and full disclosure, that may or may not have been word for word. Uh, I'm known for paraphrasing <laughs> verses from the Bible uh, sometimes when I can't remember them literally word for word. But anyway, but you get the understanding that, again, fasting is our joy. We do it for joyful and spiritual reasons. Um, and if it doesn't give us an opportunity to share with other people, we certainly can. Um, one other quick tip. I would just say that, you know, if you're really concerned about breaking the fast and you don't want to, even when food is being offered to you. I don't think it's necessarily rude to say, "Oh, I had something to eat earlier, I'm not terribly hungry, but thank you for offering." I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to deflect and then mm-hmm. not even bring anything up, you know, either. So, again, work with your own priest, get his input, get his guidelines for you on what you should and shouldn't do in terms of mm-hmm. uh participating or not participating, you know.
0: Exactly. And I want to, you know, touch on this subject as, as well. A lot of people don't know why we abstain from animal products in particular but that has to do with the jewish jewish tradition uh, in the old testament for example they fasted as well just like jesus did just like the, uh, the, the apostles did and they abstain from animal products uh, mainly and that's why we do it to this day i just want to get that out of here um before we end it does someone else have a personal story in the west with fasting Maybe a friend.
1: Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think.
0: You're in the U.S., so you have less Muslims around you, but, you know.
1: Well, yeah, it depends on kind of where you live. That, that is definitely true. I would just say that, yeah, most heterodox Christians here, I live in the South. I live in Tennessee. And so most of the, the Christians that are here in the South are either Baptist or Methodist. Um, for the most part, and there's other groups besides that, but those are the two main groups you could say. And oddly enough, some of them are actually aware of us, Orthodox Christians, because we are definitely growing here. Um, in fact, uh, Orthodoxy is growing the fastest in this particular region uh, in North America, and largely due to the fact that we are very traditional, we are very wholesome, and we do uh, put our families first, uh, you know, uh, in the you know along with our faith, you know. And uh, and so they kind of do know of us. So I think uh, sometimes. You know, when we mention to people that we're fasting, it's not like they're completely ignorant of it, of it or what it is. They just might not know all of the details, you know, or why we fast and what we fast from. So again, it's another opportunity to share and teach people about orthodoxy and why it is that we do what we do. And again, we do we do it in a very non-judgmental sort of way. We don't point out the fact that chances are the Baptist or Methodist standing in front of you is not fasting at all, um, you know, during the year. Um, but we just share why we fast, um, you know, and then maybe maybe just maybe. That plants a little bit of a seed in their own heart, their own mind. That oh well, you know, there's there's something else out there that intrigues me about that. Maybe I'll go home and do some research on orthodoxy tonight. You never know how people will be brought into the faith. Literally, you never know. You could say something to someone today, and you you don't even recognize that five to ten years from now, and you don't even know this person or where they go or where they travel. They could come into the Orthodox faith simply because you were kind, you were considerate, and you weren't. Um, you know, sharing orthodoxy in some sort of judgmental sort of way. And, and I, I just, that that's one thing I would say. Exactly.
0: And that's a way of almsgiving as well. You know, we're encouraged to alms give during the fasting period, you know, give some money to the poor or help them with, you know, with a meal. And I think that's a very important part of fasting as well. A lot of people forget it's just not about yeah. abstaining from the food. It's, it's, you know, sharing love, our love with the others, our neighbor. And I think that's Absolutely. very important. Yeah so i want to end it uh with a quote first of all thank you very much for joining ephraim um we
1: appreciate it my pleasure it was uh, very kind of you to have me on i I look forward to speaking with you guys again and get to know you better too of course you're welcome
0: on the discord server if you like (laughs) (laughs) um so i want to end with this quote from saint athanasius the great he said devils take great delight in fullness and drunkenness and bodily comfort fasting possesses great power and it works glorious things to fast is to banquet with the angels and I think that's a very beautiful quote to end this this podcast episode thank you all for watching God bless good luck in the fasting period (laughs) make sure you talk to your priest uh, during the fasting period and uh, have a blessed Lent everybody see you later
1: have a blessed Lent take
0: care